But what I really want to know is, have you participated in a Satanist ritual? Yes, but not in the sense of joining a satanic group and doing their thing, more in the sense of what I would call a chaos magic tantric mystery school setting where we are invoking various things to integrate the shadows around those things. This is Leah Steele. Welcome to the Wealth Witch Podcast. Just a few years ago, I experienced complete financial collapse. We lost a business, our home, and a car. My husband was selling plasma to pay for diapers and formula. I was living a life I hated, and I was miserable. It was the lowest part of my life. It ended up being my biggest blessing. Just a few short years later, I've designed the life of my dreams. I live a life of luxury in beautiful Bali, Indonesia, travel the world, and spend my days helping others manifest wealth and abundance. Living a purpose-led life changed everything for me. This podcast is about my journey, my top tips and tools for manifestation, and interviews with all the amazing, world-changing, inspiring people I meet along the way. Welcome to my world. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth Witch Podcast. I am your host, Leah Steele, and today I am joined by... Wow, I don't even know how to begin to introduce you, but I will say my dear friend, mentor, founder of The Spiral School, and Dark Wizard Media, and author of a lot of books, Dane Thomas. Hey, everybody. What's up? So interestingly enough, this will be a two-part podcast because Dane is on my podcast this week. And I think in two weeks, I am on Dane's podcast. So Dane has a podcast called the Dane Thomas podcast. So I'm super excited to be over there as your guest. So I guess we'll begin the conversation here and perhaps we will finish it over there. Great. So we were just talking and I was like, well, what do we want to talk about? And I don't feel like we ever run out of things to talk about, but let's start with Dark Wizard Media because mm. I am following, I have become a big fan and I'm super excited about what you're doing with Dark Wizard Media. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, it started, I've, I've had my own relationship to social media for a while and it kind of built I guess a reputation via Facebook in the in the the golden era, the early days of Facebook, um, back when all I really had to do was blog slightly aggressively or in a challenging or interesting way, and shit would just spread and go viral and so on. And you know, I was able to build a business out of that pretty quickly. And in the last couple of years, I've lost I lost the passion for like from pumping the algorithm myself, you know, from being like, ah, oh, you know, like I've got to create because that's how, that's how I'm going to fuel my business or whatever. And that kind of died off. And I guess being in a position where I have at least one business that is kind of beginning to thrive without me uh, and being in a position where, you know, I could not use the internet for six months and then do one post and make a bunch of money kind of put me in a place where, well, I don't need to do the kind of like, um, the coach uh, social media treadmill where I have to like 
serve the algorithm like some evil overlord, you know? And so I've been able to take a bit of a pause and think about like, well, how would I want to use this this system that we've got at our disposal and what do I want to like stand for and what I want to create and really the things that have become more important in my world are like magic and creativity and you know there's this kind of thing where like magic is magic is so hot right now and all these different people are sort of bringing that more into their message and their branding and that's really cool and what what I wanted to do was kind of like create a channel that is that is largely about magic and is largely about a bit of a more renegade take on spirituality you know like there's a very white light take of spirituality that is wonderful and brings a lot to people but that seems to be the dominant narrative that you know positive vibes only you know crystals kind of thing and it's like there's a much broader categories of spirituality that I've been influenced by. And I wanted to kind of like almost put that in this, in the, in the meat grinder and kind of grind it down and sort of spit little bite-sized particles of, of that, that narrative out into the world. And so duck was media is a few months old and it's starting to get some traction. And, you know, we go ballistic on fucking super weird kooky, witchy memes and astrology stuff and kind of missed obscure mystery school things but boiled down into little cutesy fun jokes and stuff and it's starting to get some traction and that's exciting and so i'm just following this thread and seeing what almost listening to like what does it want to be you know like i i was i always wanted like a media company and and this feels like a little baby seedling of something that could ultimately become uh, a media company and really with this ethos of like showing all the sides, you know, and and all the sides, but also like the dark wizard part is, is the kind of this enjoyment of maybe some of the denser and rawer and more physical parts of spirituality that seem to get left out that um, I've been lucky enough to, to dabble in and go deep in with kind of various different communities. Amazing. Yeah. So definitely everyone go follow Dark Wizard Media on the socials. Um, and we will also put a link below or the links in the description of the podcast so that you can go check that out. Um, really enjoying that. So I guess we should talk about how we met. And yeah. always a interesting story, right? Do you want to tell it? I feel like I've told it a million times. So maybe you should tell it. Yeah, I'll tell it. I mean, I was just thinking about it the other day because I watched on Halloween, we watched, we smoked some weed and watched Interview with a Vampire. And of course, it said in New Orleans. I was like, New Orleans, oh my God. And so I'm going to say 2017, I think. Could have been 2016. I'm really not sure. Um, around then, three-ish years ago, I was on a little tour of the States, a little random adventure tour. And through Alexa Martinez, who was our mutual friend, was invited to go to New Orleans with not really much of a plan. Just like, come to New Orleans. It's awesome here. I was like, I don't know if I can make it. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm coming out here. I should come down. And then it became, oh, by the way, I have booked a giant mansion in New Orleans and I've brought someone else and we're going to run like some sexuality magical retreat and you're part of it and you're the only man and there's like fucking 
12 or 15 women or something. And so next minute I'm flying down to New Orleans and hanging out in the little lounge room before we went to the mansion, before we went to the sex mansion and meeting Leah Steele and doing clearing with her. What did we first clear? It was like the, the mother and the whore or something like that or like something yeah. provocative. Within 15 um, minutes of meeting you, you were taking me through a mother whore quadrant clear. Mother whore quadrant clear. And then a couple, within a day or two later, we were doing like a full moon ritual together uh, for a bunch of women kind of stepping into their power and their sexuality and, you know, a bunch of your clients and other people who somehow wound up in this place. We got to do like a full moon ritual just off the cuff and drink a lot of, um, well, I was drinking a lot of um, Bloody Marys and eating seafood and we just really got to know each other through, I guess, being co-facilitators in a quite a magical space. All Like this beautiful um deliciously renovated sexual pleasure dungeon mansion in New Orleans. So we kind of made an initial contact in a really kooky, magical circumstance. It's like, hi. Yeah, I often actually reflect on how grateful I am that that is how I met you, um, mm. that I met you in a, you know, sort of a peer colleague type of a role, because I think it has mm. really enabled me to have a much different view of you than I think a lot of people that come into the spiral school, for example, may have. And so, you know, I, I always reflect back on that time. I and mean, we had such an amazing, fun weekend. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, it was just, for me, really incredible to, you know, connect to somebody that, that one, I like, immediately knew I could learn a lot from, but also, you know, I just, I think I got to see your heart that weekend. And so that was mm. really great for me to just know, you know, who you are as a person um, from getting to spend that time. And, and, you know, by the time the weekend was over, I was all in on all the Dane Thomas things. I was like, give me all that you have. Um, you buy everything. Everything. I bought all the things. But, you know, I, you at the time were running your alchemy business mastermind and I was really interested in that. And I was, you know, after going through the, doing some of the clearing with you, I think we did three clearing sessions over the weekend. I knew I wanted to go through the spiral. I knew the second day of the retreat that I would be a spiral practitioner and I didn't even know what the spiral was, right? I was just like, yep, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be a practitioner. I want to join alchemy, the business mastermind. And so I did, and we took a year-long journey together. I think we began in like December and then worked together the whole next year, which included, you know, my entire life changing, me moving to Bali, coming to Australia, going to becoming a spiral practitioner, going back to Australia, becoming an advanced spiral practitioner. And so, you know, I think it's an honor to have you here on the show because you are a person who absolutely, you know, is, is one of the major factors in me stepping into who I am right now. And mm. the spiral changed everything for me. It was such a gift in all areas of my life, my relationships, my family, my, I mean, certainly my money. And so... I guess I'll just publicly take this opportunity to say thank you for all that you are and the genius that created 
this incredible modality, the spiral. And I feel super lucky that in addition to all of those things, I get to call you friends. So mm. there's a little bit of sappiness for your cancer heart. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take every drop. <laughs> so I guess let's just talk a little bit about the spiral. I mean, we don't have to talk sure. much about it, but you know, it's how many years has the spiral been around and how many practitioners do you have now? We have around 190 uh, pracs now, and it crystallized into being the spiral in 2012. So before that, I was kind of hybridizing a bit of this and a bit of that and some NLP style coaching and some kinesiology and maybe some energy work and whatever else a client needed or wanted. I would sort of throw a bit of this or a bit of that in. And yeah, by sort of the end of 2011, the beginning of 2012, these mixtures of kind of Frankenstein's monster of techniques were starting to form into something new. And that was, that was really interesting period because it was on a level, I guess I was looking for the patterns and I was looking for things, but I didn't, I didn't force it to happen. It just kind of sort of happened. And I could see, well, there's a pattern here and it, you know, everyone seems to have this shame and guilt stuff that we can do these other things, but if we don't handle that, it doesn't work as well. And well, maybe that's where you should start. And the kind of, you know, these different maps and models that I was interested in really started to converge. And there was a period of like, you know, that movie, A Dangerous Mind, where he's just got fucking pictures of codes and bits of newspaper and he's kind of going completely insane. But But there's a big picture here, you know? And it was like spiral dynamics and chakras and the scale of consciousness plugged into kinesiology and Chinese five elements. Somehow all these things, if you connect them together, it's going to speed everything up. And so that was 2012. And by 2013, I was taking dozens and dozens of people through the process. By 2014, that was starting to max out where I'm trying to take like 200 people through in the in just very close to burning out, but are really driven to wanting to take more people through it. And then we kind of boiled down the very early stages practitioner trainings, which took a few years to really mature into what they are now. Um, yeah, and now we have a modality that is a sort of a, a consciousness accelerating modality that helps people shed their baggage and step into who they want to be and who they maybe already knew that they were and it does things that other things already do but it seems to do them quicker and particularly if we're looking at the level of shedding baggage and conditioning it, it's just still for my investigation still the most effective thing for that piece you know for that getting getting the heavy shit out of the way that's the basic level of that journey and then now i more look at it as, a, as an awakening journey you know it's kind of like landing people into their their soul mission or their their higher purpose can come through once that survivally stuff has kind of somewhat been released or healed people seem to move into like well who am i this is who i'm really here to be and so on a business level it's gone from sort of me showing up in a place with one person helping out and you know, I'd make a Facebook group and put a note that said, like, you can find accommodation around here and there's like a chicken shop across the road or whatever. And I'll be in this room teaching the thing, you know, to a more mature organization that 
you know, we really focus on delivering world-class trainings and continuing to upgrade them and getting to teach in the US and the UK and stuff has been, well, teach virtually in the UK, but it's getting to expand to running trainings in the US and the UK as well as Australia has been a big milestone for us in the last couple of years, which you've been very much involved with. And yeah, it's been quite a journey. So I call it eight years. I look at it as eight years for the organization to really grow and maybe 12 years before that of trying to fucking mix and match. When should you do Tony Robbins? When should you take acid? And when should you work with chakras? And when should you like do some kinesiology and sort of just road testing all the things and gradually distilling some overarching understanding of, well, Drinking ayahuasca is good for this, but it probably won't clear your money blocks that well. But it may connect you to your vision of who you are or whatever. And yes, affirmations may slightly change your self-esteem, but they don't break your ancestral wounding. So there was a, there was a long period before the spiral came of me just being a human guinea pig for kind of personal change and spiritual evolution sort of processes. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, like I'll just say life changing for me um, and we'll definitely drop the link to Spiral Institute's page. Mm. The Spiral Institute, it's now the Spiral School. We, we the switched to the Spiral School. It's the Spiral School of Awakening. So it, we yeah. call it the Spiral School nowadays and it, it seems a little more slick off the tongue, you know? Okay. So we'll drop the links below. Personally, I think I've now taken 80 people through the spiral. I'm taking a break <laughs> at the moment. I've got a few people that are still lingering in my spiral container and I'm getting ready to take a break. I did a lot really fast. I took mm -hmm. a lot of people through the spiral in my first year. And really beautiful, amazing thing is now every time a new round of practitioners come out, I'm like, oh, like two thirds of those people I took through the spiral. So we've got all, I have all these amazing clients that are becoming practitioners now. And so I'm really loving and enjoying sending my spiral referrals that are coming to me to my clients that I took through the spiral. So it's been a really beautiful transition for me. Um, baby and I just turtles love, as we call them. Yeah. The baby turtles. So I really am just loving watching how the evolution is happening and, and how it's growing. And, you know, I, you know, I always love watching your evolution and seeing how you're weaving through life and navigating all that you do, because you always have a lot on. So let's talk about, I hear people think that you're a Satanist these days. Let's talk about that. Look, you know, the Dark Wizard Media thing, it's playing with a bit of cheeky sort of shadow play, you know? And one of the things that I find funny is like that a lot of people are doing their spiritual journey or their new age journey. And it's wonderful. And they're opening up to all these, you know, like energy and the, the other realms and all this stuff. And, and, and they often don't, really notice that they're still running like a strong Christian framework, you know? And so people who are identifying as witches or this or that, but they still kind of actually at their core, you know, they've got their Sunday school conditioning running, running full, full strength. They've just wrapped it in like, I'm a witch now, you know? And so for me, 
it's it's all just like an operating system, you know. So angels, demons, elements, whatever you want to call it, it's it's they're all valid ways of dealing with different energies and realities and so on. And we have been sharing a few memes that have got some Satan little Satan jokes in there. And you know, of course, there's a lot of stuff up around people thinking that the Hollywood elites are all satanic pedophiles and all that stuff. And that you know, we could we could get into all that, but maybe that's let's not even bother you know but i kind of have this joke that look no no legit satanist would be is doing that they couldn't be bothered it's not really what it's about you know and in fact like if people look up the satanic church they've they've done a lot of good good for like you know women's reproductive rights and um recognizing same-sex marriage and pushing you know they're kind of like christians but a bit more rebellious you know and a bit more inclusive of the feminine and the shadow and like minorities you know but really there's this there's this movie narrative of like the evil satanists who eat babies and it's like well look that's not really it so we share a few memes here and there that are a little bit cheeky or a little bit like you know satan sitting there chatting with someone or like i think the one the one that got some responses there was a baphomet statue which i actually really really enjoy baphomet as a demon or whatever as a very interesting creature which obviously has the head of a goat and like breasts and is doing the kind of the gang signs and male genitalia but female breasts and so on and and there was a baphomet making out with someone and then it said something like this could be us but you keep on praying you know (laughs) and we got a bunch of emails about that people weren't they're happy to follow an account called dark was media and they're enjoying like all these kooky cutesy witchy memes but we threw something like that in there and there was a bit of a like whoa People didn't like that, or some people loved it, but some people didn't like that. So, and I had a few concerns about, you know, like you really, it really seems like you're endorsing Satanism, and it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not really endorsing Satanism, but I'm not, not, in, I'm endorsing everyone to do whatever they want to do, you know, ultimately. Um, and and I think I think this is the piece that people who've maybe come through the spiral or other things that I've been deep in like international school temple arts or so on the realms that i like to play in there's a strong understanding about like owning our shadows and owning our projections and once people start to do that this whole dark light good evil thing starts to look a little bit different because it it starts to look more like all those things that you are scared of or you're labeling as good or bad are more that's your own psychology projected out there on the world, you know? And so I like to act as if everyone has already had that realization and we're all grown ups and we can handle like, you know, oh my God, they had a picture of a demon on their Facebook or whatever, like, you know, but not everyone is operating on that reality yet. Well, my first thought was literally like, did you send them a link to A, go through the spiral? And (laughs) B... I mean, I just laugh at all of that at this point because advanced practitioner training, we did, we cleared God one day and Satan the next. Mm. So I'm all for it. I'm here for it. But what I really want to know is, have you participated in a Satanist ritual? Yes. Um, But not in the sense of joining a satanic group and doing their thing more in the sense of what I would call a chaos magic tantric 
mystery school setting where we are invoking various things to integrate the shadows around those things. So rather than entertaining, okay, we're now working with the dark law, who's going to give us guidance, which is not really, it's still quite a religious way to deal with things, you know, more like invoking an energy so you can face it, deal with it and integrate the parts of yourself that are projected onto that thing. So for me, you know, love magic and deeply into ritual and magic of the lighter and the darker kind um, which for anyone who's getting confused doesn't doesn't to me mean like doing spells to like hurt people I had someone go do you believe in black magic and I'm like well what do you even mean by that you know by which they meant like you know like cursing people and stuff and it's just like what the hell yeah stupider people so for me there's there's very much a psychological archetypal frame around why i would do ritual and it's it's to integrate and to become more whole and complete and so why we would deal with a quote-unquote darker energy like satan who we could even get into like is he really dark and what does he really represent if you unpack the esoterics but like that's that's the why of that you know yeah because i mean i think that for both of us, there is is and has been an interest in exploring what are all of these things and what do they mean. Um, yeah. And so for me, that has been a lot of actual investigation and learning around, you know, what are these different orders and what are these different churches and what is it actually that they that they study and worship? Because for me, I've just always felt like. I can't pass judgment on something that I don't understand. And so whether it's diving into, you know, what are the philosophies and, and teachings of the OTO versus, mm. you know, so I'm interested to know, like in your exploration, um, where do you feel you've pulled in your personal magical practice? What institutions maybe that we've heard of, have you pulled pieces from? And if so, what pieces? Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Wealth Witch Podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to talk to you about an amazing offer I have to work with me like my high-end clients do for a fraction of the investment. If there's anything that the last several months of chaos and change has showed us, it's that our perceptions of what is safe, stable, and secure is anything but. You are your guarantee. You are the key to unlocking and calling in the wealth that you desire. If you don't already know, I'm all about belief and intention. And for me, deciding is the most important action you can take. So I don't need to convince you. You'll either resonate with this or not. The only prerequisite that you need to have is a desire to change your current financial reality. This mastermind I'm about to tell you about is about empowering you to take back control of your financial destiny and take action towards creating the life that you deeply desire. The Wealth Alchemy Mastermind is hosted via the Telegram app, and I've set it up in a way that it's accessible. This is an incredible opportunity to work with me in this mastermind at a special pre-launch rate of $44 a month. Yes, you heard that right. Just $44 a month to work with me at the same level that some of my high-end clients do. So what do you get? Weekly exclusive content and training, a monthly Zoom coaching call, a monthly Q&A session, wealth paradigm downloads, wealth activations, and a mastermind chat full of like-minded community. You aren't doing this mastermind for the content. You're doing it for the transmissions, period. You will be activated with abundance just by being in this container. 
but you have to act fast. The pre-launch offer is only available for a limited time. So click the link in the description of the podcast and sign up now. I'd love for you to join me. So do the thing. Now back to the podcast. For me, I I found Elsa Crowley when I was a kid and I thought he was awesome. Um, I didn't really understand a lot I would what I would try to read. I would read more about him than than his I would get his kind of magical books and I'd be sort of 14 and going like I don't fucking understand any of this. Um, but it's cool, it's really cool. Um and so pieces that have come through him that I would later kind of trace back to, oh, this is the Golden Dawn, you know, the Golden Dawn kind of packaged a lot of this stuff together. So I in more recent times it's interesting. I absorbed a lot of magic, but I really didn't, really wasn't a very, um, like I read a lot, but I wasn't like a meticulous scholar. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this beautiful map of this came from here and that came from there. And when more lately, as I guess I'm a lot older and have a more mature, I've kind of started to go, okay, this links to here, to here, to here, to here. Um, a lot of the stuff that really resonated me with me with the, with the books around chaos magic, which all came out in the eighties. And for people who were outside of this conversation, you know, and chaos magic was a, a very new school kind of postmodernist take on magic that came out of sort of eighties Britain with a very punk flavor that was kind of like, you know, fuck standing around in robes. That's a lot of bullshit. Let's just get some magic done kind of an attitude, you know? And it was kind of like, um, they would mix everything together. So they drew, they draw like a fucking, this is an example. You might do like a ritual, um, draw a magical circle. And instead of invoking like the angels in the corners, you might, you might invoke like Jerry Seinfeld at one end and like, you know, um, fucking, I don't know, a game of Thrones character at the other end. And like, you know, Jesus on this side and fucking, you know, Donald Trump on the other side, you know, and it's like, the, the chaos magic ethos was you can draw from anywhere. Um, you could mix the golden dawn with some Celtic stuff with some Egyptian stuff, with some crazy shit you made up or pop culture references. And, that, and it, well, the more I got into it, there's more to it than that. It's not just a crazy mishmash, but something about being kind of a hip hop kid. So I didn't find it in the eighties. I found it more like late nineties, early two thousands. I was getting into chaos magic, but I had come from this, hip hop mentality, which is like, we're going to sample an old funk record and then we're going to take these sounds from some electronic music and then we'll pull, you know, um, a snippet from like a news alert and we're going to make a song out of that. And it's like this kind of cut and paste remix attitude. I already was deeply steeped in from like making rap music and producing hip hop and listening, consuming hip hop culture deeply. So when I found chaos magic, I was like, fuck, even though those guys more, would have empathized more with maybe punk rock or whatever, I was like, fuck, this is like the hip hop. This is like what 80s were doing, like in the Bronx, kind of late 70s, early 80s attitude of a bit from here, a bit from there, make your own rules. I was like, this is my way into magic. So chaos magic really was my entry point of practical magic. And I started doing a lot of sigils and stuff like that, which I loved because it was so simple. And now I'm kind of anchoring where where do I sit? It's really like Crowley. And then if I follow that back, it's really the Golden Dawn. And I'm starting to kind of slowly educate myself a little bit in Kabbalah, which is sort of hard for my brain to get, but I am I am drawn to it. Um, 
and then there's other bits and pieces from all over the place and um you know i i did a lot of like i said done a lot of deep diving with ista international school temple arts and hyatt and temple which um not not really exactly primarily focused on magic but the, but both of those schools have some incredible foundations around ritual and more like ista is more what you would call shamanic tantra and being steeped in that for the last three or four years has really given me a lot of practical experience of group ritual and group creation. And that, that has really upgraded my grasp of magic. It's like, fuck, I've been clocking a lot of hours of practice of creating experiences with strong intentions and using all kinds of different symbols and then hiding as well, you know, to do a six week deep dive where you're doing ritual basically every day in some shape or form, which you know, then links into things like influences like the Theosophical Society has definitely been an influence since I was quite young. Um, their attempt to merge like the East and the West together was really inspiring for me. And things like Buddhism and Tantra have really shaped my frameworks of what, you know, which is, again, not typically thought of as a magical system, but for me, Tantric practice and especially working with the energetic body and altered states through sort of sexual energy and stuff is really um, fed into my grasp of what is magic. So they're the, they're the bits and pieces that I've been drawn from really. I love it. That was a great question. I should ask everyone that mm, question. Killer. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Well, so you touched on the hip hop stuff. So let's talk about, you just told me that you have an album coming out soon. Yeah. So let's talk about that. An album. It's only four tracks, but it's which is more technically an EP. But for me, it's an album. You know, so it's called Black Dragon. Um, it's produced by uh, Ben Templestep, who is the creator of the Templestep Project. He's quite well known in some circles for creating like bass-driven ritualistic music, which is quite popular at a lot of sort of festival circuits. So. I approached him a few years ago and was like, hey, man, I would like to make something with you. He said yes. So that's been cooking away for a couple of years. And, you know, I had a kind of rap career throughout my 20s. It ended when I turned 30 and I decided to try to learn how to build businesses and stuff like that, which wasn't wasn't really compatible for me at the time. And for probably the last three or four years has been a strong desire to return into music but I didn't really know how that would look or feel and I started writing and I started trying this and that but it's kind of very on in alignment with all the stuff we're talking about it's kind of like ritualistic and archetypal and tantric sort of themes mixed into like uh dark bass style production so the first song is pretty much done and three more finishing off as we speak. So if I can have it out before the end of the year, I'll be pretty excited. Amazing. Exciting, exciting. So, and you're on SoundCloud, yeah? SoundCloud, yep. And I think it will go on Bandcamp as well. And it'll and Spotify. It'll be on Spotify. Okay. But you've already got some stuff out on SoundCloud, I know at least, and Spotify also. Yeah, Spotify and SoundCloud has the first track I've written as a as what I consider a grown-up, which is called The Goddess Delusion and is gently poking fun at the feminine conscious goddess scene a little bit. 
Um, but it's also kind of poking fun at uh, a man or me struggling to navigate that landscape, you know? So it's a song about a dude who's like dating these different chicks and they all kind of eat him alive in one way or another. It's great. Not at all like my real life. <laughs> it's great. I love it. So we'll put the links to that um, in the description as well. So, I, you know, I, I think that it, we would be remiss to not talk about that, well, money and wealth, I think, because it's yeah. definitely where you and I come together and have connection. But, you know, I feel like the wealth witch actually came partially from you. Mm. Um, it sort of was what morphed, I think, out of us doing Six Figure Witch together. And then, you know, back then you were referring to me as the priestess of profit, I think. And the wealth witch thing kind of just was something that clients started calling me. And um, I had a little bit of resistance to, I think, in the beginning of like actually onboarding it as a brand, right? I was like, no, yeah. I'm Leah Steele. Yeah. I'm not going to be the wealth witch, you know? And, um, but it stuck. And, you know, it's become such a big part of what I do. Obviously, this podcast is called the Wealth Witch Podcast. So, you know, I just let's riff a little bit on that because I think that, you know, we did that container together. And while it was short, I think it was really impactful for a lot of people. So, I mean, I don't know that that was a question, but it was a lot of words. So maybe you can respond to them. <laughs> I'll respond with some other words that are related in some way. Yeah, I think the wealth journey, it's funny for me because wealth is a really core part of what, what I am fascinated by and what what calls me to grow and evolve, you know? And I, I dance in and out of how much I give a shit about money, you know? Like I'm not super money driven, but I like money and I can have many purposes for which I want to use money, but wealth itself meaning which to me includes money and transcends that to all you know like wealth i think i saw a thing you had about it and it include your health is included in your wealth and so for me it's almost like you know to be wealthy would be like can i tick all the boxes and that would include what's in my bank account but it's not limited to that and i think it's a really interesting and massive area of human life that I don't think you can skip. You know, if you're poor, you're going to have to deal with the conditions that have put you there and the, and the limits that that puts on you. If you're rich or you're born rich, financially rich, you're going to have to deal with what that means and how you're going to harness that and how you're going to use it. You know, the, unless you go full monk and live in a cave, there's no real way out of the dealing with wealth and the management of resources and and that sort of thing and um for me the whole st a lot of the spiral journey you know stuff that's come out and interesting and i'm coming back to creativity and music because all i really wanted to do was make music in my sort of late teens early 20s and i would do that but i'd find myself working in a gas station or a cafe or doing these things that i really did not enjoy and did not feel were suitable channels for my what i thought were considerable talents you know like i'm so fucking why do i work here for 17 dollars an hour i should be famous or changing the world or whatever you know and 
the, the deeper I started to go into some sort of self self learning journey, there was this piece that was like, you are fucked up around money. You've got weird stuff around money. You've got rules around money that you didn't necessarily put there. And they are limiting who you are and what you can do. And at first that was just a problem that I accepted. Well, fuck it. I won't deal with it. I'll be a cool artist. And, you know, I'd even tease my friends who were studying business or economics. That's fucking lame, man. That's stupid. You know, like five years later, I was starting businesses and really wishing that I had done some of those units at university because it would have been super fucking handy had to know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and it was really clear to me that business and business being a vehicle that causes you to deal with wealth, you know, was really an amazing growth path because it forced me to grow. And that's, that's still happening now. Um, and, and money is just, just as a useful measure and metric of how many interactions is going on, how much impact I'm having, but also as a significant tool for creating whatever I want to create. And so it's, it's very interesting because for me, so much of wealth is internal which I don't just mean money and assets don't matter, like just have a positive attitude kind of internal, but you know, so much is around who do I feel that I am and what do I feel that I'm capable of that I'll notice regardless of what's in the bank, there's, there's a, I have a high degree of certainty. Well, this is the thing we're going to do. And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, look, we're just going to do this thing. And then the resources will come and the resources we pulled in because I know largely because I've done enough cleanup and re-education around wealth and worth and money and finance and business and all that shit that, that I can navigate at a certain level in the world that I couldn't. If I, if I had not taken the deliberate choice to interfere with how I was programmed and, and interfere with and change my education, I wouldn't have just accidentally got to this place. Like, there's no question. I would have been still... You know, I, I worked jobs when I when I quit music. I worked jobs and I worked my ass off and I learned this and learned that. And I never earned more than the median wage. You know, I never earned more than fifty k a year, and that was frustrating to me because I had a massive ego. I was like, I'm fucking, you know, special. And I Google like, what's the average wage? I'm like, I didn't make the fucking average wage. Fuck, you know. And I look around. These people are fucking idiots. How can they make more money than me? You know, and when I finally emerged from my day job into a business that I was ready to do, which was my coaching business, which spawned spiral, you know, I, I hit 50 K months within about 12 months of living my day job. And it was like, Oh fuck. I, my business turns over in a month, what I used to bring in in a year. And that was like, fuck, something's changed about me because a couple of years before I'd quit my job and tr tried. And it just was like, hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there. I don't know where the next hundred bucks is going to come from. This is shit. I should probably get a job. You know, like I just didn't, I just didn't have it. And then to a, do, take a couple more years of education and come out again and be like, okay, I can, I can build things that create value for people. And I have the, the worth to charge what I think I'm worth and, and so on and so on. You know, all the choices I'm getting to make now at 42, which is exciting that I get to, you know, I'm living in a very fucking expensive part of Australia. Like it's, it's you know, it's the most expensive real estate in the country because everyone has realized living in a city sucks and you could live in a sweet little fashionable seaside town where everyone in the world fucking wants to move. So 
but but I can be like, cool, we're going to go and get that five bedroom house over there on the top of a hill that, you know, had I just followed the path I was on, that wouldn't, it just wouldn't be a fucking option. And what I ultimately want to create and the level I'm really ultimately thinking, which is, you know, building conscious communities and creating entire ecosystems of media companies and this type of company and clothing companies and this kind of shit and food. And it's like, that's, I'm now seeing that's the fruit of, you know, a decade to 15 years of really committed reprogramming myself and my relationship to wealth. So that's my take on what's my journey with it. And it's still, you know, I still have like a good month, bad month, good quarter, bad quarter. There's still, and there's still such a thing as like, Ooh, it's a bit contracted or this like, oh, we fucking rocked it. But it's very, it's very buffered. It's not a fucking life or death stress. It's like, okay, that's, I wish we made more money last month, but let's, let's change that this month. You know, there's, there's still human relationship to money stuff going on, but I can, I can watch how other people deal with those things. I'm like, wow, this guy's taken really seriously that they had a bad month. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You can just, create something different next month or next year and it's and i think and that that reminds me that i'm not operating on the normal level of attachment to money and wealth so i don't know if that answers your question it wasn't a question <laughs> yeah so i am actually really interested because the spiral was so revolutionary for me in shifting and changing my money story what is it specifically in the spiral, do you think? What level is it? What emotions are it? Is it mm. that help you release this money shit or be able to break through patterns that perhaps you've been trying to break through for years? That's such a good question. I think there's a, there's a lot of levels to that, but the, the cheap and easy answer is, you know, level one, dealing with shame and guilt stuff. Um that by itself might not be everything, but it's it's a very big blow to the to the negative money programming. You know, like to me, guilt and shame are the things that really crush uh, self worth. You know, and there's other things that get in the way for sure, but guilt and shame they stop you before you even begin. You know, if you if you're laden with ancestral guilt and shame, you don't go. You know what? I'm going to build a multi million dollar. You just don't even fucking bother to follow through on that thought, let alone head down the challenging path of do all the shit you need to do and learn. So that's big for me. And I think if we look at chakra wise, you know, if I could only pick a couple, I would look at clearing up number one, you know, that foundation of I deserve to be on planet Earth. I worth something. I'm not a piece of shit. I'm a valued organism that is. I've landed on this planet for some reason. I deserve to have good things and feel good and flourish. Then there's definitely a big will piece, which is level three, as you would well know, you know, that, that, that will to execute and follow through and get stuff done is a really big one. I think the throat chakra authority leadership piece is really big for a lot of people. Like I've, I've had entrepreneurs where we went through that level and they went from like 10 grand months, 50 grand months in a week. It, and it, it didn't give them any new skills. It just took their limitation off their expression. Like they could have been expressing themselves like that the whole time, but they just wouldn't because, you know, they were Irish or something, you know? And it's like, well, my dad would never, you know, it's just not enough family to, to blah, blah about success. And then once that was gone, it's like, 
okay, everyone, we're leading the way in this thing. Let everyone know we are here. We're changing the game in, I don't know, gym marketing, and we're doing this thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, he's getting recognized for what he's had inside, you know, for a decade. Those are the big ones, I think. And then I think for a lot of people, and I've noticed this in a lot of leading business people that I admire, this kind of third eye visionary capacity has a very big impact on what you're capable of, you know, and it will be different for different people depending on what their limits are and what they've grown up around and what they've been told they shouldn't do or couldn't do. But I mean, if you can dial up your worth and your will and you can express yourself and you can see clearly where you want to go, that's a very good recipe for, you know, being impactful. And I think a lot of the, at least in the realms that we're dealing with, um, it's impact that people are missing. You know, they don't, they can't, they, they won't let themselves make an impact. So they like have some skill that's wonderful, but they won't fucking, they won't shout about it or they won't show up or they don't want to be seen as trying to be a big deal or some, that kind of stuff. It seems to be the, you know, I'm assuming we're t- when we're talking to like solopreneurs and, and early st- that kind of piece that I see is that just, I just want, I just refuse to be big and take up space and say that I'm fucking amazing at whatever the thing I'm amazing at is. And when those things change and someone wakes up and is like, Hey, I am amazing at this, by the way, here's what I've got to say about this subject and you should read it. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, seems like people are listening to you. Yeah. I think for me, I always think back on my spiral journey and I'm like, oh, what was the most unexpected part of it? You know, other than I felt like I was going to die multiple times through it. I remember after level three, I was like, Dane, you were like, I think you're ready to go into level four. And I was like, oh, great. What's it called? Typhoid fever? Because I've been so sick, (laughs) like level one and level three. But I still think the most impactful certainly in my first spiral was level five for business. Mm. And it was because of this. And this is something that I absolutely learned from you that I took away that I work with all the time. It's like when my heart is closed off, I don't have the ability to organize things in the way that I do when my heart is open. And so I love actually that piece that you talk about around heart chakra and Mm. the organizational bit of that when it comes to money and wealth and abundance so maybe you could just riff on that for a minute yeah it's a kooky one hey and i i don't know it from anywhere else like i i I don't want to say that i invented or anything but i definitely feel that i've spotted something that i that i haven't been taught anywhere else and this comes from looking at the heart chakra and sort of traditional kind of yogic Hindu sort of perspective, which is obviously about love, basically, you know, from a, if you're a new age person at all, you're like, yeah, the heart, love, you know, and this ability to open. And then on the spiral dynamics side, the fourth level in spiral dynamics is much more about morality and structure and order and large scale organization, which at first blush, have, they just have nothing to do with each other. But in, in our system inside the spiral, we, we're combining the spiral dynamics journey and the chakra journey and taking lessons from both. And when I was writing the book, The Conscious Hustle, I was kind of working through these categories and coming up with all these themes and, you know, all the others match, you know, level one and level one 
makes sense that it's survival. Level two and level two is kind of connection or your tribe or whatever. And level three and level three, it's clearly this power piece that just is so obvious. Level four seemed on the one hand, you know, you've got organizational structures and on the other hand, you've got open hearts. And I just sat with it for ages and I think I called the chapter like Love and Systems, which was hilarious to me at the time because I wasn't that good at Love and Systems at the time I was writing. I was learning how to open it more. And the way I now really interpret it is as we move towards unconditional love, which we can do through letting go of things that aren't love, things start to self-organize. You know, like if we look at love, this sounds really new age, but if we look at love as the underlying principle of the universe, things just organize themselves. You know, nobody sat down as far as I know and sketched out, this is how the universe is going to look. We're going to chuck some galaxies over here with black hole over there. This comet's going to come around here every 350 years, whatever. It it unfolds um, as an expression of the order. And so what I'm often trying to do inside a business or inside a project is bring the people to a state of vibrating in unconditional love. And then the actual mental business part can happen so fucking fast because everyone is very easily able to say, Oh, you'll do this. Oh, that's great. I'll do this. Oh, that's going to fit into my pit. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. Versus let's say you're lower level down the kind of in the field, you're, let's say you're in, Fear, for example, it's really fucking hard to organize a group of people who are vibrating at fear. They don't self-organize. They have to be herded. You know, you're going to fucking do this. Otherwise, you'll get fucking fired. Useless prick. You're going to do this and don't fucking, you know, it's like it's like this bullying energy has to come in to, to push those pieces into place. And as soon as it's not there, they will fall apart anyway. So the vibration that order unfolds from is, is love. And, and I mean it as the unconditional kind of cosmic love more so than people's interpretation of romantic love. You know, it's not like I want the marketing department has to fall in love with the finance department and become infatuated with them. It's that we are vibrating in a field of oneness and interconnection. And when we are, everything just seems to find its natural order. And, you know, I can see when I'm creating something, any area that I don't have, can't vibrate love and trust towards, it's a pain in the ass to build out. You know, like for for a certain point in time, that was accounting and finance. Like I had so much shit around that I would plug someone in and they would quit within a month or they would never get back to me or they would build the systems really badly. And it was like, fuck, I can get a new person and they do the same fucking thing. And it was like, I don't hold a field of love for that part of the business. I am holding control or fear or frustration. And and then that field of frustration produces a result that is worthy of frustration, which is that's fucking happened again. My taxes still aren't done. I'm fucking year behind. Fuck this guy. I get me the next fucking guy who, of course, also fails to deliver because he's coming into a field of, let's just say, not love. And then when I actually was able to bring an appreciation of finance like finance is amazing like when this area is clear it's so useful it's so great the kind of conversations and the kind of people who came in i was like this person's going to be good at it oh this system's going to work i now understand the system and it's going to work so yeah for me love and order go together and 
if something is constantly falling into disorder in my life or in a business, I'm I'm typically trying to ask how can I kind of vibrate through to love with this, and sometimes I can, and sometimes it's harder, you know. But if if and when I can, that's the point when I kind of qualify, and it still seems like boom, 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 boom. And then someone's like, how come you can do the teams? It's like, trust me, it's not that easy. I've had to clean up so much fucking shit about family relationships and who am I and who am I to boss people around and why don't people fucking do what they're taught? And it's just like, you know, until it's like, oh, like here we all are gathered around a vision that is a vision of love and everyone is here because they want to grow and it's fucking amazing and I'm not attached to anyone doing some shit they don't want to do because the primary thing is holding a field of unconditional love and then everything can come and show up in its perfect position. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm now, this may sound weird or may sound really clever. I now sort of have this thing of, I want to create companies in the way that like God would create a universe, you know, or if you don't want to use God in the way that like the void in the way that the emptiness would would allow the universe to just manifest. It's like, okay, I don't do anything, but I hold the potentiality for the thing to come in. And if something isn't coming in in a way that feels harmonious, there's something that I need to drop or open so that thing can come in. So it's like a it's like a reverse creation model. You know, it's like it's like basically me asking, how can I be the black hole at the center of this galaxy? Because, and then all the stars just find their natural place in the gravity of that black hole and then all the planets revolve around the stars and the whole thing kind of fucking expands naturally versus like looking at a person or an objective or I'm trying to like force it to fucking, you should do this, do this. And it's like, it doesn't, I mean, it kind of does work. It's how a lot of the world holds together, but I think I'm too far gone for that method. You know, I've I've let go of a lot of parts that wouldn't want to have to like, crowbar something into place or sledgehammer something and it just doesn't really feel right for me so so i'm trying to move to this like how do i how do i create from love i love it well i feel like we've officially talked about all of the topics we've talked about satan money unconditional love hip-hop music chaos magic all the things the galaxy the galaxy the universe god Donald Trump even made it in there. He got a little archetype reference. So I think we've done the things. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to coming and joining you on the Dane Thomas podcast. Um, We'll drop all the links for all of the ways to connect with Dane on the socials and on the interwebs below in the podcast description. So until next time, thanks, Dane, for being here. And this is The Wealth Witch signing off. Thanks, Leah. Bye, everyone. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me. Remember, wealth is a mindset, and you absolutely deserve to live the life you deeply desire. And with belief and intention, you create your reality. Until next time, this is Leah Steele the Wealth Witch.